executive producer Isaac Saul. This is Tangle. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Tangle Podcast, a place where we get views from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking, and a little bit of my take. I'm your host, Isaac Saul. Today is Thursday, January 11th. We've got a lot going on in the podcast today. We're going to be covering Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, and this scandal, this cover-up, this bizarre story that happened with him over the last week. And it's an interesting one, something I haven't really seen as a politics reporter, something I don't remember seeing anytime recently. We're also going to be talking about the results from the end-of-year Tangle survey, including how people rated us, what people said about our bias. I'm answering a reader question about that. And before we jump in, I have to apologize for yesterday. Uh, Over here at Tangle HQ yesterday, we kind of had one of those terrible mornings. It's like the opening scene in a rom-com where someone's fumbling around trying to get to work. They walk into a glass door and drop their keys and put their coat on backwards. And then they leave the house and there's toilet paper attached to their dress shoe. That was basically us yesterday. So for some reason, I still can't figure out how it happened or why it happened. We sent yesterday's newsletter with a weird formatting error. It made every element in the newsletter a gigantic letter and bold. It was really jarring. So if you got the newsletter yesterday, I know many of you just listened to the podcast, but we apologize for that. We sent a second one. And when we tried to remedy it, we sent an email that also had advertisements being displayed for paid subscribers who aren't supposed to get ads. And for free subscribers, it displayed duplicated ads. So that was a mess. And then to top it all off, we actually had an error yesterday. In our have a nice day section, we had a parenthetical about 120 kilograms, noting that it equaled 44 pounds. Um, I don't know. 120 kilograms equals 264 pounds. The mistake happened. I mean, we know how it happened because the news source we linked to in the article had the calculation wrong and we failed to double check it before publishing it. So that was my fault. We are, uh, you know, American publication. No idea what a kilogram is. Anyway, that is our 98th correction in Tangle's 230-week history. It is our first correction since December 14th, almost a month ago, and we track corrections and place them at the top of the podcast in order to maximize transparency with our listeners. All right, with all of that out of the way, we're going to jump in today with some quick hits. First up, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis spent their final pre-Iowa debate criticizing Donald Trump and accusing each other of lying on the campaign trail. Separately, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, the Republican, dropped out of the 2024 race. And shortly after dropping out, he was caught on a hot mic telling audience members that Nikki Haley was going to get smoked in the election. Number two, House conservatives voted against a package of GOP bills in protest of Speaker Mike Johnson's spending deal with Senate Democrats. Number three, Hunter Biden made a surprise appearance at a House hearing to hold him in contempt of Congress. 
Number four, a new video appears to show the Israeli army shooting three Palestinians and killing a 17-year-old in the West Bank without provocation. Israel said one of the men was kneeling to light a Molotov cocktail, while his friend said he was starting a fire to keep them warm. It is the latest incident in the West Bank that has drawn international outrage as the war in Gaza continues. Number five, the SEC approved the first Bitcoin Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF, making it easier for investors to add cryptocurrency to their portfolios along with stocks and bonds. Doctors at Walter Reed say Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was hospitalized due to complications from a surgery to treat prostate cancer. President Biden and other top administration officials were not informed of Austin's hospitalization and diagnosis for several days. Tonight, the White House now ordering a review of protocols for members of the cabinet when they have to delegate authority, still asking, why was the White House not told? President Biden is backing his defense secretary despite calls to, for him to resign over a mysterious hospital stay. It was reported that Secretary Lloyd Austin was in intensive care for three days while nobody told the president or even the deputy who took over Austin's duties. The 70-year-old defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, disappeared from public view on New Year's Day, later disclosing that for three days he had been hospitalized in intensive care without the public being informed. On Tuesday, it was revealed that Austin ended up in intensive care after suffering complications from a surgery required to treat his prostate cancer, a diagnosis that he kept from the public and from President Biden. Walter Reed issued a statement saying Austin had been admitted on January 1st with severe abdominal hip and leg pain after a minimally invasive surgery known as a prostateectomy a week before. Austin had developed an infection, which is since cleared according to the statement. His cancer prognosis is excellent, the doctor said, adding that it had been detected early. However, the mystery around Austin's whereabouts and the revelations that he had kept both his cancer diagnosis and his stay in the intensive care unit hidden from the president and the public has set off a firestorm of criticism. Austin is second in military command only to the president. Now, several Republicans and even one Democrat are calling for Austin to resign. The failure to notify Congress of his inability to perform his duties was a clear violation of the law, Senator Roger Wicker, the Republican from Mississippi and the senior Republican on the Armed Services Committee said. Questions about the competence of staff members in the Department of Defense, including the junior officials who tried to protect his privacy, have worsened the public relations crisis. One former Walter Reed surgeon also questioned the characterization of prostatectomies as minimally invasive, telling the New York Times it is a major cancer surgery. White House spokesman John Kirby also said that the White House was not informed of the procedure despite it taking place under general anesthesia, which would normally mean Austin, who is in the nuclear chain of command, officially transferring his duties to a deputy. Today, we're going to take a look at some reaction to this story from the left and the right, and then my take. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Long before Fox News hosts were caught for saying one thing in private and another on air, two leading conservatives left the network in protest of the network's tolerance of election denialism. Such claims were incompatible with their efforts to build a media company dedicated to the truth. Jonah Goldberg and Steve Hayes had launched The Dispatch in 2019 to build an enduring presence in the center-right for sane conservatism. 
No insulting clickbait, no false outrage, no annoying autoplay videos, just reliable journalism that prioritizes context, depth, and understanding. Today, a growing community of more than 400,000 rely on the dispatch to help make sense of a political world gone crazy. Get news and analysis that is more than a scripted reality show. Tangle readers claim your exclusive 90-day all-access free trial today by visiting thedispatch.com slash tangle. That's thedispatch.com slash tangle. Before we jump in, a quick note of agreement. The left and the right are in near total agreement that Austin's actions were unacceptable and reflect poorly on the Biden administration. While they differ in their assessment of what the consequences for Austin should be, both sides view this incident as a concerning series of errors. So let's jump in with what the right is saying. The right is outraged at Austin's absence and Biden's muted response, especially during a time of heightened tensions abroad. Some say Austin's actions embody the worst of today's U.S. military culture. Others slam Biden for not holding bad behavior to account in his administration. In the New York Times, Brett Stevens wrote, the Secretary of Defense can't go AWOL, neither can America. We are living in an era of dissolving systems, Stevens said. There's a deeper cause, the fading away of Pax Americana, the idea that the United States has a duty rooted in values and interests to police the global commons, defend embattled allies, deter anti-American dictatorships, and punish major violations of international order. This is the context for the strange but telling story of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's unannounced medical absence. The dereliction of duty here is so serious that it ought to require Austin's immediate resignation. The job of Secretary of Defense is to be on the job. Imagine if the Houthi rebels had put a hole in an American ship requiring an immediate response. Hours could have been lost while combatant commanders tried to get direction from the Pentagon, Stevens added. Failing to dismiss the Secretary of Defense sends a signal of unseriousness that Americans may not notice, but our adversaries do. In American Greatness, Christopher Roach described Austin's behavior as part of a culture of casual and self-serving dishonesty among military professionals. Austin's actions might seem secretive, worrisome, and self-serving, and indeed they are, but his actions unfortunately should not be surprising. A culture of dishonesty and corruption has plagued the Pentagon since Vietnam, and it became particularly flagrant during the failed campaigns in Afghanistan and Iraq, where then-General Austin served in multiple senior leadership roles, Roach said. Austin cannot escape significant responsibility for these failed campaigns. Austin was a typical product of the Biden-era military. Mediocre, over-promoted because of his race, and a company man through and through, Roach said. Now, why would Secretary Austin jerk around the White House? It seems most likely that, being a former four-star general, he has a general sense of privilege, coupled with the entire uniformed services skepticism of civilian oversight. This, even though he is now, in fact, one of those civilian overseers. In The Messenger, Joe Concha said going AWOL is not new for Team Biden. Imagine if all this was happening during the Trump administration, with news suddenly breaking that President Trump had no idea that his defense secretary was in a hospital ICU. And obviously, since the president wasn't aware of this, neither were most Americans, because no one in the Pentagon decided to disclose that the defense secretary had been there for nearly a week, Concha wrote. What do you think the media reaction would look like? We'd be hearing how it's clearly amateur hour in the White House. This is the current nonfiction reality for President Biden and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. 
And yet, most fortunately for Democrats, it isn't generating the kind of outrage from the media that it completely deserves, Concha said. Even if Austin did the right thing and resigned, Biden has already stated that he would not accept his resignation. Why? Because this is a president who sees everything through a political prism. And to see Austin go would be viewed somehow as a victory for Republicans and for Trump in an election year, plain and simple. All right, that is it for what the right is saying, which brings us to what the left is saying. The left is similarly critical of Austin's decision-making and suggests he needs to be actively transparent about his health going forward. Some call the incident an unforced error for Biden's administration and question Austin's credibility. Others say Biden has few good options in choosing how to best respond. In Bloomberg, Nia Malika Henderson argued that Austin must come clean about his health. There are two cardinal rules when it comes to dealing with your boss, especially in the world of politics. Make sure your boss is never surprised and don't step on the boss's message. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin violated both these rules, Henderson said. Austin has acknowledged his lapse in judgment, but the damage is done. The secretary dominated the news cycle on what should have been Biden's big weekend following the president's powerful campaign speech at Valley Forge. His lack of transparency fed the narrative that Biden is aloof and out of touch with what's happening in his administration. This continued lack of transparency is unacceptable and unsustainable. Austin, who is said to be receiving operational updates, must offer a fuller explanation of his condition and why he failed to be transparent with top officials. Given the secrecy around his condition, it's hard to trust what the Pentagon says until he does so, Henderson wrote. Biden campaigned on competency and no drama, yet Austin's move was an unnecessary, unforced error. In the Washington Post, Josh Rogan said Austin's avoidable scandal was caused by hubris and mismanagement. Austin's problematic actions and those of his senior staff go well beyond his failure to tell his deputy, Kathleen Hicks, why she was assuming some of his duties and his failure to tell the White House he was in the intensive care unit. Austin also failed to disclose his diagnosis for several weeks. And the way this was handled constituted a breakdown in the United States national security bureaucracy, Rogan wrote. This episode also exposes something about Austin. As a general, he was never a big fan of speaking to Congress or the media. Even now, as a cabinet official, he apparently doesn't feel he owes them basic transparency. That's hubris. Will Austin resign? Probably not. But his credibility and confidence in his leadership have taken huge hits, as have the credibility of his chief of staff and press secretary. They undermined the public's trust in the U.S. government and created a completely avoidable scandal for Biden at the worst possible time. In CNN, Peter Bergen said the Lloyd Austin incident sheds harsh light on Biden's team. Austin's absence is a surprising development that puts a harsh light on President Joe Biden's national security team. And the odd thing is that there may be very little Biden can do about it, practically speaking, Bergen wrote. Austin's introversion and seeming lack of Washington savvy may help explain why he and his team didn't give senior U.S. national security officials a heads up about his condition. Everyone is entitled to keep their own medical information to themselves or to select people, but that doesn't preclude telling others that you are out of commission for a few days, especially when you are the U.S. Secretary of Defense. So what, if anything, can Biden do? Probably not much. A public reprimand of Austin by Biden would also only serve to reinforce the view held by Republican critics that the Biden team isn't especially competent. 
if Biden fired Austin, he would only bring more attention to the issue. And in this political environment, finding another candidate for the position and getting them confirmed by the U.S. Senate would be a very heavy lift. All right, that is it for what the left and the right are saying, which brings us to my take. So it's easy to conjure up some sympathy for Austin. Having had family members who have fought cancer, I certainly understand the desire to keep an illness private or share it with a select few or try to get on the other side of it, like, say, after a surgery, before wanting to tell everyone you were ill. But when you're the defense secretary, none of those desires outweighs the need for transparency. None of those desires trumps national security. On the most basic level, what Austin and his team did is an inexcusable and fireable offense. I don't really know any way around that. Though plenty of left-leaning writers acknowledge Austin's mistake, all the most cogent and resonant pieces seem to be coming from the right on this. As Brett Stevens said, imagine if there had been a major attack on a U.S. ship in the Red Sea and we had to spend hours trying to figure out where the defense secretary was. Those hours could have cost American lives or totally reshaped the beginning of a new conflict. As Joe Concha noted in The Messenger, imagine if something like this had happened under Trump. It would have been a premier example of his administration's purported dysfunction and secrecy. It should be precisely the same for Biden. I also can't wrap my head around why Biden would not request Austin's resignation. Why die on this hill? There's no reason to protect someone who didn't do the most basic thing to preserve the stability of the department he is running. Biden should have spent this week talking about his opening campaign salvo in Valley Forge, but instead he spent it trying to explain how his White House could go three days without even knowing where his defense secretary is, the literal second-in-command of our armed forces. All of this, of course, is to say nothing of the timing. It's not like this is an era of great stability and peace. On the contrary, this is a moment of deep global instability. China's leadership is insisting Taiwan will be theirs. Russia and Ukraine's war barrels on. Israel continues to bombard Gaza even as the U.S. ramps up pressure for it to stop. And all throughout the Middle East, there is grave danger. Our forces are exchanging fire with fighters in Iraq and Syria. Houthi rebels are attacking ships in the Red Sea. Israel and Hezbollah are shooting at each other in Lebanon. And Iran continues to fund proxies everywhere. With all this going on, Austin goes MIA for three whole days, and he conceals a prostate cancer diagnosis even from the White House? It is, in a word, incomprehensible. The idea that Biden should avoid doing anything about this, as CNN's Peter Bergen wrote, because confirming a new defense secretary right now would be a heavy lift, is nonsensical. Keeping someone at the head of the military who just did what Austin did is the heavy lift. And if Republicans want to stonewall a defense secretary in times like these, then Biden should let that be their political problem, not his. Austin seems like a decent man, and he was a perfectly mediocre defense secretary like many before him. I wish him well, and I hope he recovers speedily. But he should resign, Biden should accept his resignation, and the administration should do its best to own this mess and then fix it with a new defense secretary. We'll be right back after this quick break. All right, that is it for my take, which brings us to your questions answered. 
This question comes from Keith in Barnwell, South Carolina. Keith said, I was interested to read the breakdown of where Tangle's audience falls on the political spectrum. But I thought the most interesting question on the survey was where we thought you fell on the political spectrum. I'd love to know the final tally. So that is actually a question I was super interested in too. We surveyed our subscribers at the end of the year to get a sense of who our readers are, how they think, and what they think about Tangle. I'm happy to go through the question on our bias, mostly because I'm happy about the results, but also because they raise an interesting question. So the final result was this. 72% of respondents rated Tangle as unbiased, center-biased, or independent. 23% rated us as center-left, and 5% said we were center-right. A negligible percentage of people rated us as far-right or far-left. There's a chart in today's newsletter if you want a visual for this. If the results were any different, suffice it to say that would result in a great deal of soul-searching. We pride ourselves on trying to cover every issue on its own without carryover bias and in treating every argument with fairness and patience. That said, I don't claim to have no biases. Everyone is biased. On some issues, I'm biased toward the left, like abortion, the environment, and trans rights. And on other issues, I'm biased toward the right, like small government, free speech, and gun rights. So I'm happy with the results. That 72% of our readership rates us as center bias or independent is validating. It's also a little puzzling that more of our readers rate us as left-leaning than right-leaning because the two biggest media bias raters put a smack dab in the middle. All Sides has us leaning ever so slightly to the left, while Ad Fontes has us just as slightly to the right. But our audience is saying, with statistical significance, that we're leaning a bit more to the left than the right. So what gives? My best guess is that on the issues that matter most to conservatives right now, namely abortion and Donald Trump's legal cases, I've been more aligned with the left than the right in the past year, and readers are probably weighing those issues more. At the same time, even on an issue like gun control, where I usually align more with conservatives, the never-ending scourge of gun violence has led me to argue for things like registration and training systems to buy firearms, something many stringent Second Amendment supporters do not support. All this is on top of the fact that I have pretty mixed feelings about our current president. Although I don't think Biden should be running again in 2024, I also think he's just been pretty average. Not terrible, not great, but fine. We have a reader question about this I'm going to answer next week, actually, so keep an eye out for that. But many Republicans think Biden has been very, very bad. So I'm sure that impacts their view of my take over the last year as well. Yet, there are plenty of examples that could counter those. For instance, we've covered a lot of the Hunter Biden saga, free speech issues, campus culture, and Israel in the last year. And on those stories, I've often been more aligned with the right than the left. But I think those issues just aren't weighted as highly to our readers as the ones I mentioned before. Ultimately, what is important to me is not really how readers view my own personal politics. It's if they trust Tangle. My goal with Tangle is and has always been to be fair, transparent, and balanced. So long as I'm being honest about what I think, our readers trust us as a news source, and we have an ideologically diverse audience, and the majority of our readers view Tangle's coverage as independent or center-biased, then I think we're winning. Those are the benchmarks I really care about. All right, that is it for our reader question today. Next up is our Under the Radar section. Negotiations on a border security bill have begun to focus in on parole changes. GOP senators are pushing for a cap on parole, a process where an individual who may be ineligible or otherwise inadmissible to the United States 
can be allowed in by the president for a temporary period. Senate Republicans are demanding that a border policy update be tied to $106 billion of funding for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Parole has been used broadly during times of crisis, like when the U.S. allowed in refugees from Afghanistan and Ukraine. But it's also been wielded expansively by the Biden administration, including for current border policies that allow in 50,000 migrants per month, including record numbers from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. The Washington Post has the story, and there's a link to it in today's episode description. All right, next up is our numbers section. The number of cabinet officials who have left their positions during the Biden administration to date is one. The number of cabinet officials who left their positions during the Trump administration was 14. The number of cabinet officials who left their positions during the eight-year Obama administration was three. The number of secretaries of defense who resigned or were fired during the Trump administration was two. That was Jim Mattis and Mark Esper. The number of cabinet members fired by President Jimmy Carter over two days in 1979 was five. The year President John Adams dismissed Secretary of State Timothy Pickering from his position, the first instance of a cabinet secretary being fired in U.S. history was 1800. And the year President Andrew Johnson was impeached for violating the Tenure of Office Act was 1868. That act forbade presidents firing cabinet officials without the permission of the Senate, and it was repealed in 1887. All right, before we get to our Have a Nice Day story, a quick heads up that tomorrow we're going to be publishing our annual review from last year's writing. That means we'll be looking back at our biggest articles and predictions from 2023 and then grading how we did. A quick reminder, Friday editions are members only. If you're on our free mailing list, that gets you articles Monday through Thursday. We'll send you a preview of tomorrow's edition, but if you want to join our 14,000 premium members, you can do so by going to readtangle.com forward slash membership. Also, as part of our new initiative in 2024 with this podcast, if you are exclusively a podcast listener, we're going to be doing these Friday editions. We're going to roll them out for free at first, and then eventually we're going to make them members only. But tomorrow, my managing editor and I, Ari Weitzman, are going to sit down and talk about this article, and hopefully we'll get a podcast to you by the end of the weekend. So keep an eye out for that. If you are not somebody who reads the newsletter, you can just wait for the pod. All right, and last but not least, our Have a Nice Day section. The Make-A-Wish Foundation is well-known for being able to help terminally ill children live their dreams, but their best stories come when the children they help get better and no longer qualify for the organization. That was the case with Jacob, a boy who was on his way to Disneyland with his mother to get his wish fulfilled. With the help of an entire airline pilot and several cooperative passengers, Make-A-Wish was able to tell Jacob and his mother that he was cancer-free in a way that would rival any Make-A-Wish moment. Jacob, just before takeoff, a representative from Make-A-Wish made contact with the airline. We were informed that you no longer meet the requirements to be a -A Make-A-Wish candidate, he said. Posted on TikTok, the pilot adds that Jacob would still have his wish granted, but according to your most recent exam, you have many more years to take all the trips you could ever dream of. Good News Network has the story and the video. All right, that is it for today's podcast. As always, if you want to support our work, go to retangle.com forward slash membership. And we will be back here sometime this weekend with our Friday edition, our new Friday editions coming to the pod. So stick around for that. 
Otherwise, we'll see you Tuesday after the MLK break. Have a good one. Peace. Our podcast is written by me, Isaac Saul, and edited and engineered by John Wall. The script is edited by our managing editor, Ari Weitzman, Will Kaback, Bailey Saul, and Sean Brady. The logo for our podcast was designed by Magdalena Bakova, who is also our social media manager. Music for the podcast was produced by Diet75. And if you're looking for more from Tangle, please go to readtangle.com and check out our website. <laughs>